Hello and welcome back to the show. So, what is Culture Ops and why could it be the most important ingredient to a high performing culture? Well, on today's show, super elated, super excited to have Ben Branson Gately, CEO of Charlie HR, where they're building the world's first culture operations platform to help businesses transform and build winning cultures. Uh, ben is also the host of Culture Ops a podcast where they bring together founders, CEOs, people leaders from some of the world's most ambitious small companies to uncover how they are harnessing company culture. Ben, thanks for being on the show, mate. It is very good to be here. How you doing, Vic? Good, good, good. Let's cue the intro and we'll dive in. Let's go. Thanks again, like for being here, man. No worries, buddy. I need um, two things. I've realised: a, I need backing music um, <laughs> on my podcast, and um, I need a, I need some kind of data visual, like some sort of sort of like visualization to go along with our intro, because that that's some pretty slick stuff, uh, there, my friend. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. I will let the team know that you uh, you enjoyed it here um, again. Um, I think from our previous conversations, prepping for this, I was really excited to have you on because culture is a, a, a topic that's near and dear to, to me. Um, it's something that I think people know it's important, but necessarily don't understand the levers of what actually can help culture, especially from HR, where, where they tend to be um, the de facto cultural owners for uh, a lack of a better term here. So um, before we dive in, you know, like we'll uh, obviously talk about culture, this concept of culture operations, and of course, Charlie HR. But um, for those folks who don't know you and, you know, this is their first time being um, introduced to you, how about you share like a little bit about yourself, your background and your journey that's led you here? Sure. So... Um, yeah, my name's Ben, and yeah, I'm the CEO currently of uh, Charlie HR, uh, also one of the co-founders. And um, we're HR software, but we're HR software for for, for businesses that that you know care about their company culture. Um, that's that's a differentiator. That's that's the the way that we see the world evolving and changing. Culture becomes um, not not a nice to have. Culture becomes a necessity. It becomes something that um, can be the real performance enhancer for our organizations. Um, been building Charlie for five years. Before that, um, I was co-founder and COO of uh, a UK-based social media agency, ran and grew that for five years. Um, so when people say, I guess, you know, what um, what are you about? What do you do? Um, I, I really say to them that, you know, all of my experience is in team building and 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 crafting cultures in, in organizations and that's the thing that i get most excited about like uh, creating a culture that allows people to be their best and allows people to thrive so i feel very fortunate that i get to do that as part of my job um and 
yeah, it brings me joy, honestly, getting to do that every day. Very, very cool. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, um, that passion and that drive, again, is one of the reasons why this conversation, like to me, was super important. Um, let's see. What else? Uh, you know, where'd you grow up then? I uh, grew up in London, um, uh, in the UK, well, just outside of London. But, you know, um, I imagine you've got a mainly US-based audience. Um, I am a Dallas Cowboy fan, um, ah, which, is, which is probably a bad thing. It um, is, because uh, I'm Washington, D.C., and I am now a Washington Commanders. Commanders. Yeah, there you go. Name change. What a <laughs> but yeah, I think yeah, Cowboys definitely one of the most hated fan bases uh, in, in all of the NFL. Um, but uh, yeah, I spent I spent two two three years of my childhood um, uh, in the states. Lived in Kentucky uh, where my dad was working out there. So I've had the the fortune, uh, I guess, of spending time set stateside. And I've got a love a lot of love for for um, for, the, for the states. I'm a big runner. Um, it's kind of one of the things that I do to unwind. I spend as much time in nature as I can. Um, love the city, love London, but also love the time that I get to get out of it and go different places. That's important to me as well. Um, so yeah, that's a bit about, that's a bit about me. Yeah, sure. And, uh, this is always fun. I was curious, you know, what was your first job or, you know, I guess either some folks worked, you know, before college and some folks, you know, like their first job outside of college, but curious to know that answer from you, Ben. Sure. So, um, my, my first job was working in a hairdresser. So I was 13 okay. and, um, I was sweeping hair and like washing hair and, uh, like mixing the dye mm. for, um, uh, for people that were getting their, their hair dyed, um, yeah, it's you know it was it was I think a pretty intense as a thirteen year old. Um, I, I remember my feet just just hurting um, and an an amazing amount. Um, but ultimately, I've lived one of those lives where I actually haven't worked for that many people. So me and my business partner have been working together since we're sixteen. So um we've done we've done a lot together i'm i'm now 32 so um you can do the maths um and and that can be amazing yeah. because we don't have any pre preconceptions about how organizations should run and should operate but it, it can also be you know frustrating um in the sense that uh i think having the perspective of what it actually is like to be inside and work within different organizations i think can sometimes make you a a more rounded CEO. So yeah, that's definitely something that I struggle with from time to time is, is not having had that perspective of, um, yeah, yeah, you know, like what it, what it feels like to work in different organizations. You know what, that's a really uh, cool point there that you were making surrounding, um, you know, you and your co-founder and how you all have built a couple of these uh, businesses. I'm curious to learn about the conditions or the opportunities that you saw that led you to building out what is now Charlie HR. Can you share a bit about that story? Yeah, I think we'd spent, you know, five years building an agency. Um, it was, you know, our first proper business as it was. Um, um, and I think when you run any business, you realize that your business is kind of nothing without its people. Mm -hmm. And 
I think, look, we just saw an opportunity in the market to build software to help organizations spend more time on the stuff that really mattered and less time on the admin. And that, and, and we wanted to do it in a way that the team members wanted to engage with in a way that was, um, uh, you know, easy to use, um, intuitive, all of those things. And that's where the idea came from. I think as with every business, you take a whole bunch of turns and, and you know, you go this way and that way over the years. And where we are today actually is pretty similar to where we started. We've taken some deviations to get here. Um, but yeah, you know, ultimately we're just excited about being the best product in the market for, for organizations that care about their culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that culture is that kind of space where there aren't really clear solutions, as I said earlier, clear levers to what kind of drives it. And, you know, um, the systems and the technology, I think, are a good avenue for it because it's what people interact with, right? The culture is the things that you interact with. So I think that's uh, pretty cool that that's the avenue there. Um, and just so that we're, you know, kind of talking from like the same book and those who are watching or, or listening um, kind of have that same perspective. I'm sure you have your own perspective of what culture means and what a, you know, a good working definition of that could be. You know, um, what is culture from your perspective? Yeah, I mean, look, I think for, for, for me, culture is present whenever there's two or more people together in in a situation it's the it's the experience that we have um and in in a working context it's the experience that we have at work that's what culture is um it ebbs and flows it is a living and breathing thing and and that's why i sort of i try and um you know help people realize that sort of fixating on on the culture Mm. isn't the right way to solve for culture Focusing on the activities, the levers that are going to impact culture is the way to do it. And that's really where the idea for Culture Ops came from. It was like, can we come up with a framework that allows us to actively impact, actively work on our culture mm-hmm. every day, um, allow us to craft something that's effective for us, um, uh, really put some meat on the bones when it comes to prioritizing organizational culture. So, yeah, that's that's where the thinking came from. Yeah. So in why do organizations right find it so hard to actively impact or actively change like that culture i think you were getting at it there with like the levers but um you know i i you know we all have heard the quote i think it's from either uh, i think it's a peter drucker that you know culture each strategy for breakfast is an axiom in mba programs now right so but as important as people know uh, that culture is, why do organizations find it so hard to either change or create that right culture here, Ben? It's, it's, a, it's a good question. Why do they find it so hard? Because I think we aren't, we haven't been very good at being very clear about the impact that culture has on an organization. Over the last 10 years, I think we've talked about the importance of culture. You know, we've been through that phase of culture being about you know having a pool table in the office drinks after work you know all of those things and 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 ultimately we realize that it's that it's that it's not that um people and organizations focus on the things that they can measure 
And there are three things that we think culture contributes to. We think it contributes to your ability to attract the right talent. We think it contributes to your ability to retain the right talent and get the best out of them. So performance. And those are the things that we suggest organizations think about when they're thinking about how do we consider how we prioritize working on our culture? Well, the outcomes we want are attraction, retention, and performance. And uh, once you start doing that, then we can start to see the effect. Then we can start prioritizing, investing, and making that change. You know what? That's pretty interesting because I think the metrics there, like that you shared, aren't, you know, uh, if I were to go to an organization and, and say, well, these are the, you know, most important metrics that can help you understand like your culture, they may say, well, yeah, we measure that, but they may not see the culture change that they're looking for. So I'm curious to learn um, why, why those metrics are important for culture. I mean, I think to be really clear, those metrics are, are the outcomes that you, that you get from an effective culture. Mm. I think it's important to talk about the inputs as well. I think, um, you know, we try and support organizations to focus on three levers, their people, their processes, and their policies. Okay. If you get those right, uh, then I think those outcomes are going to come. And it's a balance between between both of those sides. The inputs, how much we're investing in and thinking about things, how much they're a topic of discussion, and the outcomes that we're getting from that culture that we're creating in the middle. Um you know, it's important to flag that culture is dynamic. It's not static. It doesn't. It doesn't stay. It, it's constantly evolving and and um, and and adjusting. And um, every time you hire someone, every time you update a process, every time you introduce a new policy, you're, you're affecting your culture. And so, um, uh, culture maintenance or um, you know, we want to keep our culture are really sort of things that I see as red flags. And um, uh, it's much more about how do we continually craft and evolve, right? Because it, it, it is definitely shifting. And the, the way that we can have an effect on how that culture evolves and therefore how it delivers those outcomes that we're after, attraction, retention, and performance is by deeply considering our people. You know, who do we have in the business? Who are we promoting? Who are we firing? Our processes, how do we work? How do we communicate? How do we share information? All that stuff. And then our policies. What are our what are our agreed do's and don'ts um, uh, as an organization? Evolving those, thinking about those, that's what has the impact um, that, 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 you, that you're going to want uh, when it comes to actually changing and affecting your culture. Yeah, and I think that's really important to distinguish because I think a lot of people or a lot of organizations focus on the outcomes of this is what like we're measuring, but don't understand exactly those three things around your people, your policies, and your processes are things that can help to drive the the attraction, the uh, retention, right, and the performance. So you know they don't see the clear line like between like the two, and um, I'm really, and that's what I'm really excited about the things that are happening at the Charlie HR because I think they help to draw that line a bit more concretely where I think um, some people may see them um, a bit opaque, right? So um, very cool. Um, now, you know, if you, if you have like the podcast, Cultural Ops, and that's a big 
component or the uh, at least like the terminology is a component within Charlie HR. Uh, for those who are new to that term, you know, what is cultural ops and why is it important for an organization to really zero in on? So as I said, right, culture ops is the, is 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 the first part of that equation that I talked about. Mm. Culture ops is actively working on your culture by prioritizing your people, your processes, and your policies. That's culture ops. It's the operations that sits behind culture. Why should organizations um, prioritize it? Well, I'm yet to meet an organization that doesn't think that attracting the best talent, retaining them, and getting the best out of them is their key responsibility as a company. So your culture is having an effect on those three things. And either you can do something about it and improve it or, 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 or you can let it slide. It's completely your choice. Culture exists whether we like it or not. Culture is not something we get to choose to have or not have. Either it's effective or it isn't. And so um, uh, it's not something that an organization can opt into. They can use it to their advantage if they'd like to. Or they can say, you know what, well, actually, actually, we're not. And, and I think that when you put it in the terms of culture ops and you think about people, policies and process, you realize that we're making decisions every single day that impact our culture. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And that's the reality. We absolutely are. And so just realizing that those actions impact your culture, I think, is the key thing, because it allows you to understand, OK, what's the impact of this action? You know, in what direction is that going to push our culture? And I think um, uh, ultimately that's just what we're trying to promote is yeah. people being more locked in to the effects that certain activities are going to have on their culture. Yeah. You know, it sounds like either people realize it or not. You know, if you're in an organization, if you're a people leader or really like a leader like of any kind, you're in the process of cultural ops but you may not know it but i think i think having a clear terminology like around it you know enables uh, people to actively uh, work on it and then as you said tie those connections to the things and choices that they make to the outcomes that are actually happening so again i think like we're all in that business here um that kind of leads me to like my next question of you know um if i'm in an executive or if I'm a founder, right, at an organization, is there kind of a, an optimal culture that I should try to model, right? You know, like what does that look like? Uh, so essentially, is there an ideal culture organizations should work towards that, you know, that optimizes attraction, performance, retention, all, you know, all those other metrics. I'm curious like, to hear your thoughts on that. I don't believe in ideal cultures. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I believe in effective or ineffective. Mm. Now, I think there are uh, like personal perspectives that are at play here. So, Vic, I'm sure there are cultures that you and I would not like to work within, right? Let's just do the easy example, Goldman Sachs. Um, probably not a culture that I think I would be particularly effective within. But people like to say it's a bad culture. I, th I like to use the term effective and ineffective. I think Goldman Sachs is a very effective culture. I think they're very open about their, what their culture looks like. I think they're very open about the sacrifice they expect people to make. 
I think that their culture helps them achieve the goals that they're after. And I don't think you can argue that they're not good at achieving the goals that they're after. Doesn't mean I agree with it. Doesn't mean that I think that I want to work there. Doesn't mean I think people should work there. Just means that I think it's effective. So that's the language that we like to use is effective and ineffective cultures. And I think as it comes to that, um, the most important thing that an organization can do is be clear on what is the style of culture that's going to help them be effective and achieve their goals in the way that they need to and then start to craft a culture that allows them to do that. Um, I think the most dangerous types of cultures are the ones that say one thing and do another. Yeah. I actually think those are the most toxic, that say we're a place that looks after you, we're a place that's open, we're a place that values mental health, but then that then completely does the opposite. So, no, I don't think there's an ideal culture. I think there's, you know, every organization needs a culture that's going to be different, um, uh, you know, based on what they're trying to achieve. And I think it's about being really clear on what that looks like um, for you. So, you know, I was listening to um, a podcast uh, that you recorded very recently, and you mentioned um, that teams are the cornerstone of culture. And I know from our previous conversation, uh, you hinted at having a strong perspective of kind of what really makes a good team, what drives team performance. And since it's such a, a cornerstone, I'd be curious to hear your perspective on what are some core tenets that really uh, build teams and drive teams that maximize high performance? Because I think you have a good theory of the case around that. Yeah, okay. I think... Um... Communication probably sits at the top of that list. And mm-hmm. um, you know, what does good communication look like? I think it's it's open, it's fast, um, uh, it's pretty direct, um, and it's kind of as objective as it can be. And it's probably um, you know not very subjective. Mm-hmm. Um, two, I think understanding of the values that sit within that room, not because. We're trying to m- create these like homogenous places where everyone is the same, but because understanding people's values in the room is going to help you work with them. It's going to help you, you know, help them to be more effective. Um, and and I, and then I would say diversity, right? Like, I, and I don't mean that necessarily in like um, uh, just ethnic diversity, but I mean in terms of experiences as well. I think, you know. That has always been the, the most obvious argument that I can find for why diversity has always been something that should be uh, prioritized and important is that we just want the most difference in the room as we can, because that's going to provide different perspectives, different ideas. It's going to challenge the things that we think are true. It's going to challenge the way that we see things. Um, and so optimizing for diversity absolutely is what we should be doing when we think about our team. So those are the three that I think of in the top of my head. Yeah. You know, uh, are you are you good at communicating? Have, are you are you constantly honing your ability to communicate? Do you understand who's in the room? What are their values? And are you thinking about getting the right people in the room uh, and, and and making sure it's a diverse group of people? That's awesome. That's awesome. And I think that's something that folks should write down or take away. So it's the cornerstone of culture. You got communication. You got values, and then you have. And diversity, right? So I think those are three core tenets of you know ways to help to build effective teams that help to drive culture and 
important. So um, thanks so much here, Ben. I've really uh, enjoyed that portion. Would love to, to now kind of dive in and talk about Charlie HR, you know, for those folks who may not be familiar. What is it? Who are your primary customers? And who in the world is Charlie? That's what I was wanting to know too. <laughs> yeah. Who is Charlie? I think uh, Charlie is no, is no one, but we wanted to choose a, a name that was neither male or female, that that, that could, could be applied to anyone that was gender neutral, mm-hmm. that felt uh, that felt homely, that felt um, uh, uh, that, that, that felt like someone you could talk to, that felt like someone um, that that you know you were gonna you know want to have a want to have a conversation with someone you're gonna be honest with. You know, our, our customers are small uh, to medium-sized businesses here in the UK that are between zero and 200 people that think that culture is the thing that's going to make or break their business. Um, and they realize that there's HR admin that has to happen all of the time and that we're going to help them with that, but that we're going to extend that, um, uh, those HR tasks to a place that helps them craft their culture. And uh, that's, our, that's our customer. So, you know, I'll be curious to learn here, Ben, more about how Charlie HR specifically helps uh, your customers, your clients uh, build a culture. I'm assuming it's through those uh, inputs before, but would love your deeper perspective on the matter. Hmm. Yeah, good question. Um I get, look, I guess the the role of the CEO is to, is to paint the vision. So yeah. I'd say Today we probably don't do as good a job on on that culture crafting um, through the software as we'd like to be like to do, but that's where we're going. You know, we spent the last three four years really banking the core jobs that our customers need us to do from an HR perspective when it comes to using our software. And where we want to take that next is into a place um, where they can actually start using those jobs to effectively craft their culture. You know, that is everything from booking holiday and leave. It's everything from uh, to payroll, to um, uh, team reviews and performance, to um, pulse surveys, to um, just just having a, a statement of record and, and knowing um, who your employees are and, ha- and making sure that you've collected the right information and details on them um, and you've done everything from a regulatory perspective. And, you know, that's where we are at the moment. It's it's not where we want to be. We want to extend, extend that. And I guess what I'm painting for you today is a bit more of the vision. So, yeah. I want people to follow us on that, follow us on that journey and come with us on that journey because they believe about culture, uh, what you know, what we do and they want to be part of it. No, that's uh, beautiful. And I think it also just shows the, in, in a very transparent way of that, you know, even to build a platform to help enable companies, you know, uh, transform like their culture, you know, it takes time, it takes thinking, but the right philosophy really has to be there from, the early onset or else you know it doesn't really have that impact so um you know uh, definitely check out charlie hr's website we'll put it here at the end of like the podcast but as we're you know kind of close to uh, like the end here Ben, um would love to you know to dive into a couple of fun questions i always like to ask um to you know just to see your thoughts on it so um if someone let's say if i were to offer you 
a billboard to put a message about culture for people to remember, uh, what would your message be? Okay, a billboard right in, you know, I think it's called London Square, I guess, <laughs> right? What does, uh, what's your message about culture that you'd like to have on there? We would probably say Oxford Circus, but um, yeah, it was we're probably Oxford Circus or Piccadilly Circus is our equivalent of, uh, okay. of Times Square in New York. Um, so yeah, I'd probably say, I think I'd probably say, it, it would probably say culture will make or break your business over the next five years. Um, I believe it. And so, you know, for those people who would like to learn more, you know, about uh, a culture, you know, what are some of the resources that you've either used, read, or consumed that's helped uh, you grow your, your knowledge um, about culture in general, if you have any that you'd like to share? Sure. So, um, probably the most transformative book for me in my career has been Delivering Happiness by Tony Heist. Um, uh, the former CEO of Zappos, no longer with us anymore, but, you know, I probably read that about 10 years ago and it really changed my perspective on um, what a workplace experience could look like. Um, so I think that's a company uh, from, from the past that I find uh, pretty inspirational. Company for the present, um, big fan of everything they do at Buffer, taken a lot of um, what well, we, we do at Charlie from them. And then in terms of our thinking, you can head to the workspace, um, which is uh, it's our blog, or you can check out the Culture Ops podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Um, and, and yeah, you'll see me there most weeks chatting to someone about the world of culture and culture ops. Beautiful, beautiful. Um, and then last but not least here, Ben, I always like to ask this as a, a very busy uh founder and CEO of a company, I'm very curious to learn your favorite productivity hacks or tips or tools that you use to, you know, help you make sure that you get things done. You know, how do you keep it all organized? You know, how do you make sure that, you know, you're elaborating and getting things done? Best tips or hacks? Uh, there are no shortcuts. I think it's just discipline. Like, mm, okay. I, I use my diary pretty rigidly. I put in there what I'm going to do when, and then I do it. Mm -hmm. Like, that's all productivity is. It's just like, do the things that you said you're going to do at the time. Get get the hell off Twitter. Um, <laughs> get off Instagram. Get off YouTube. Like, uh, yeah, I just, you know, that's all it is. Just do the things you say you're going to do when, you're going to, when you say you're going to do them. Like, I don't think these things are rocket science. It's rocket science. I think, um, yeah, I think we... Sometimes we we don't do the work that we need to do because you know um, we get distracted by all the noise that sits around us. Agreed, agreed, agreed. I think that's a common element there that I think there's a lot of noise. But I like your uh, kind of uh, take no prisoners approach to you know it's really a matter of are you going to commit to yourself and follow through like with yourself with the thing that you're going to do right. I think we're all looking for hacks and tips there, but sometimes it just comes down to good old commitment, right? So very, very cool. Well, 
Ben, we are at the end here. Thank you so much for um, graciously being on the show. Um, really, really appreciate it. Um, everyone will put the contact information here um, at the end for like the website. Uh, but Ben, if folks want to reach out to you, well, what are the best ways for them to do so? Uh, if you've got questions, they want to chat, they can email me. I'm, I'm Ben at charliehr.com. Happy to have conversations about culture. Um, they can find me on Twitter. I'm at Gately, G-A-T-E-L-E-Y. Um, they can find us online at www.charliehr.com. And they can find uh, the Culture Ops podcast uh, just by searching Culture Ops podcast wherever they get their podcasts. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, Ben, thanks so much for being on the show. Have a great one, my friend. Thanks, Vic. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. Have a have a great afternoon. You too.